You're listening to the Versus Node Podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Welcome to the Game of Node vs. Node podcast, episode 3. I'm your host, columnist Christos Reed, and with me today is website director and international sex god, Eddie Unzolta. How are you, Eddie? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Thank you for the introduction. You're very welcome. And live from Silent Hill, judging by the creepy noises in the background, is Jason Finelli, a fellow communist on GameofNode.com. How are you, Jason? Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I would be too, I would be too. This week we're going to be talking about E3 2009, but first let's take a look at the past two weeks of industry news. Eddie, what have you been reading this week? Um, well, the most recent bit of news that I noticed was that Electronic Gaming Monthly is on its way back. It seems Steve Harris, the original founder of the magazine, announced that he would enter into an agreement with Ziff Davis and reacquire the uh, trademarks and publishing rights, and he's going to relaunch the magazine later in 2009. How do you guys feel about that? It's fantastic. I used to love reading the differences between, like I could Game Informer, obviously, who doesn't? <laughs> their, the writing styles were so different, their opinions were so different. Like I wish, I wish, with all the stuff that came out between now and when it went out, uh, Resident Evil finally launched, um, UFC's launching, Wolverine, I would have liked to have seen the difference in opinions i used to crave that because then i'd get gamer node side egm side and then my side and see where it all fit and then that's how i knew if i was a legitimate gamer or not uh <laughs> fair enough i'm i'm glad to see print journalism coming back a little bit i've been getting a bit worried i mean over here in the uk we've got a lot of print magazines but obviously bar edge there's nothing really on the scale of egm but obviously edge i think draw more controversy from their review scores than their actual content. So yeah, it's good to hear. What have you been reading about this week, Jason? I've been reading about um, a new game called Shadow Complex, based on the novel Empire by science fiction writer Orson Scott Card. It's already being compared to the likes of Super Metroid and Mega Man X. Nice. Um, what they're calling a 2.5D platformer. Said to feature, this is from Kotaku's rumor, by the way, said to feature a unique twist on the Metroid formula, will feature familiar weapon and ability upgrades, including jetpacks, climbing kits, and a bionic commando-style hookshot. But it's supposed to take advantage of the third dimension by offering interactive backgrounds as well. So if... It sounds great. Yeah, this, this sounds like it really could take people by surprise. The only thing it doesn't say is... Oh, here it is. It's going to be... Um, we wouldn't be surprised to be Shadow Complex announced at E3 as an Xbox Arcade downloadable game, but we're still calling this all rumor for now, which, of course, you have to do in journalism. This is also being developed by Chair Entertainment, who you might remember by the wildly successful Xbox Live download Undertow. Successful because it was free, but who's counting? <laughs> um, so that's something definitely to look forward to. Now, here's a question. Um, Empire, the novel, What uh, what's the topic of that book? I haven't read that. You've exposed me. Neither have I. <laughs> Let's see here. <laughs> we can quickly search this. So Empire is the story of a possible second civil war between the right and left wings in the near future. That's my kind of game, especially with, like, yeah. Metroid and, and uh, Mega Man X and Bionic Commando all blended in. 
Definitely something to look forward to. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, this week I've been reading about um, the Midway auction scheduled for this coming month, where they're auctioning off various bits of property. It should be quite interesting to see what will go, because Midway's Lord of the Rings games are up for grabs. You've got NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. There's going to be tons and tons and tons of stuff up for sale, but... I'm just curious as to where the Mortal Kombat franchise is going to go. Were any of you major Mortal Kombat fans? I was, and then I dropped out. I came back for a little bit of Deception, and then Armageddon pissed me off. But I was okay with DC. Yeah, um, you know what? I agree with you. I felt like uh, MK vs. DC sort of brought things back to an older form of Mortal Kombat, which I liked a lot better than mm. a lot of the newer ones. Though, I think, obviously, news is a little dry this week, but that's obviously because we are coming up to E3. So, yeah, we've got the battle, the familiar battle between Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft, and who can look the best, who reveals the most stuff. I'm going to swing over to Jason first. Out of the three companies, who do you think is going to whip out the biggest their surprises? Big, their big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you said it. Not it's me. an interesting theme um, going on in this podcast. Uh, yes, very much so. The thing with this E3 is, and maybe you'll agree with me, maybe you won't, is that this one is so wide open. It's so hard to pick a clear winner from the beginning because you really don't know. I mean, now that, that Lionhead has said they're going to back Microsoft – they're going to be a Microsoft's press conference. That could be a blessing or a curse. Um, this Kojima Productions teaser trailer that has all the Metal Gear fans up in arms, that could be the, the call of the show. You know, you don't know a damn thing Nintendo's going to do because, well, they haven't said anything. The only guarantee there is that Cammy Dunaway is going to look like an idiot. So you really don't know what to expect. If I had to pick one, I'd like to think that Nintendo's going to come out of right field and give us Zelda or Star Fox or something like that. But realistically, I think it's going to be Sony. What about you, Eddie? You know, the the whole thing with Nintendo is just like they're a vault, so you never know anything. And I, I was thinking that it might be about that time to get a new big first-party title announced, and that would really be uh, a good blow to the competition. As for Microsoft, I haven't really been very excited about what's coming up from them. Really, I'm, I'm very interested to see what Sony's going to be doing because I feel like right about now they're starting to come into their own and they're going to be bringing a lot of good stuff to the table, both from a uh, first-party perspective as well as a lot of third-party games that are finally coming together. Of course, anything Metal Gear Solid is great. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I'm, I'm less inclined to make predictions and more inclined to just sit back and take it all in and just, you know, see what's what's coming. How about you, Chris? Definitely. For me, hmm, I always look forward to the Nintendo presentations simply because I think this year more than anything, because last year and the year before were a bit of a drag. There were companies dropping out left, right, and center. It was, it was fairly understated. This year everyone's back, everyone's going to be announcing things. Sadly, I think Blizzard are going to hold on to that new IP of theirs and any information on it until BlizzCon, obviously, because it would be kind of... <laughs> it would be, be a little silly to hold an entire party in the honour of your development company and then, obviously, announce everything at E3, but right. I'm hoping I'm hoping for more content Zelda-wise from Nintendo. 
I, I don't know about you. I, I enjoyed the Phantom Hourglass. I'm not so sure about the title, of which the name has completely escaped me on the Wii and the GameCube, simply because it felt a bit understated after after Wind Waker. I loved Wind Waker. I thought it was the best Zelda title I'd played on a console. You're talking about Twilight Princess? Yeah. Okay. It was a little far too much realism, I think. Mm-hmm. And then obviously threw in all this random cel-shaded stuff, and I just think they couldn't decide really what direction I wanted to take it in. I think Sony's going to have the biggest surprises, but that's probably something I'll go into more detail slightly later. Are there any games you guys are looking forward to? I'm really still looking forward to Alan Wake, Heavy Rain, Brutal Legend. Those are like my, my big three that I could think of. I still am interested in seeing Prototype, although that's going to be out pretty soon. I, I agree with all three of those. I would like to also see some Mass Effect 2, which I think I will. I would like a release date for Kingdom Hearts 358 divided by two days on the DS. I would like an actual solid release date. I'm interested to see what Rare is going to do. Uh, I've heard that Rare is going to do something. I would like it to be Killer Instinct, Perfect Dark, or Goldeneye. I don't think it's going to be Goldeneye. But... At least Perfect Dark or Killer Instinct related would be nice. I think it likely um, will be related to Killer Instinct. I hope so. There's been enough going on about that, enough rumors floating around for the past however long years that they're, they're yeah. bound to deliver. And from what I've seen, I would like as much as possible on Bayonetta, because Bayonetta looks amazing. <laughs> and could possibly could possibly be the game of the entire show. Oh, this is what surprises me is the amount of hype for Bayonetta. Because when I first saw the, uh, I saw the trailer and I was just like, well, this is sort of, you know, it's Devil May Cry. It's got slightly different characters. Oh my God, the British! And <laughs> that was a nice. <laughs> and then there was the revelation in Edge that her suit was made out of hair, and then all this nudity period at the end of the trailer, and I was a bit thrown by it. I was sort of. I know that the Devil May Cry franchise has always been leaning towards the sort of Tomonobu Itagaki school of <laughs> representing women in games, but I'm I'm curious to see how completely batshit insane the gameplay is going to be after the trailer that's uh, just been released in the past couple of days. With Mad World, these developers, Platinum Games Show, they're not afraid to really do anything. They will put anything out there as long as it's enjoyable. The fact that the suit is made of hair didn't surprise me after seeing Mad World, but... Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's really intriguing. Yeah, I'm going to be quite curious to see how that works. I mean, Perfect Dark, we're going to see Perfect Dark on the arcade. I, I, think, that goes, I think that goes without saying at this point. When they were showing the, um, I believe it was a demonstration of Nuts and Bolts DLC, it was something they were doing, and then obviously they had their NXE dashboard up, and you can see the icons of the last five games played, and obviously Joanna Dark is... Yes, you know, that's right just off center and obviously it's not the icon for perfect dark zero so it must have been the icon for perfect dark something else in all honesty even if it's just a direct port i'm just looking forward to reliving my history of laptop guns over xbox live as i think that will probably be the main reason i'll be swearing into my headset yes (laughs) i agree they are so cheap but awesome (laughs) i have to say yeah very speaking of xbox live arcade and cheap Wolfenstein 3D, they are remaking for the Xbox Live Arcade. I say cheap because Mecha Hitler was a douchebag. I don't know if you heard about this, but all 60 levels of the original game will be hitting on June 4th, next week, during E3. The interesting thing is they're taking a precedent from the Fable 2 pub games 
and playing through the Wolfenstein 3D remake will earn you gold and accolades that you can pay for weapon upgrades in the updated Wolfenstein, which is due out on August 4th. If you're interested in the new one, it adds a little more incentive to play the old one again. I thought that was a very smart move. And very good for fans, because, I mean, if you're a Wolfenstein fan, you're most likely going to be playing this game anyway, so you're getting a little mm-hmm. bonus. I mean, I ended up playing pub games more than I did Fable 2. I don't know about you guys. I got, I got kind of addicted to the gambling element, probably because it was one of the few card games that I don't completely suck at <laughs> and was slightly less focused. I just think it was a shame that if you didn't have pub games, it was impossible to get some of the Fable 2 achievements, which was a shame mm. because you couldn't get certain books and certain things. But I just think to add stuff on instead of unlock things is probably a far better far better tactic to approach Wolfenstein 3D. That, and to me, it seems like Mecha Hitler or no Mecha Hitler, it seems at least a little more realistic than Nazi zombies in Call of Duty World of War, which threw me off completely. I thought that was kind of weird that in a game that prides itself on realism so much, they're like, all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> your granddad's been dead for 50 years, we're going to drag him out of the grave and throw him back into a Swatsky uniform and throw him with 500 of his mates up against, you know, four 13-year-old boys on Xbox Live. <laughs> it, just, it, it struck me as a little random. It, it, yeah. it was uh, random, but if, if, have you played it? Have you tried it, Christos? I haven't. I gotta tell you, as as far off from the realism as it is, holy crap, is it fun? I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. I thought it was just gonna be like, oh great, they're taking off of Left for Dead. Here we go. But man, I get so angry, <laughs> and I always I always judge how fun a game is by how angry I get. <laughs> uh, oh, it's great. I I really did enjoy it. There are good stress relief games, I think, and obviously shooting zombies is always going to be one of the biggest stress reliefs. I think Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead is a great game, but I think it does let itself down in the way that if you're playing through single player, more often than not, the AI of your partners is actually probably better than the majority of the people you're going to be playing with over Steam or Xbox Live. Oh man! But it'll be interesting to see if the updates for Left 4 Dead and the Xbox will slow down in the same way that they've slowed down for TF2 on the Xbox. I mean, I know it's published by a different company, but it's still disappointing that while... I mean, all I've been playing the last week is TF2 and the Spy update and the Sniper update. It's great. I mean, I play a medic, and suitably enough, my girlfriend plays a heavy. (laughs) So we play together all the time. We're really good at it, but obviously now there's an achievement for nailing a heavy's corpse to the wall with an arrow and the first thing i saw after logging in which made a nice change from uh, goatsy sprays on the wall was a heavy just swinging in the wind from a wall and i thought to myself this is going to be really difficult to keep her alive right because everyone (laughs) just wants to kill her exactly Teamwork is awesome in TF2. I think if you can get if you can get a medic and a heavy team that know each other, it's always it's always a lot more fun. It's like Left 4 Dead. I've not played Left 4 Dead with four people I know, but I would imagine it's far more fun than playing with four random people. Oh, absolutely. For some reason, I always I always seem to be in a team with two 13-year-old French boys every time I play, and they have headsets and they talk. <laughs> And then they get really angry in French, and then they apologize really sorrowfully in French, and I can hear shouting in the background. I'm assuming the shouting is probably something along the lines of dinner. And then they just disappear in the middle of the survival wave. Oh, great. Perfect <laughs> and obviously, timing. But what's great is I think that they forget that they're, they're leaving the game 
but they're not leaving the game while in the game, so they'll run off towards the nearest door, and then the AI control character that takes over will be three miles away from the rest <laughs> of the group. They'll die. You would think that they'd be trying to do their most to sort of make the British and the French get along that little bit better. Yeah. But our, our, yep. our uh, over-the-channel cousins, but there you go. Out of all the presentations, out of all the speeches in the past few E3s, uh, have you guys had any favourites of the past revelations you've seen at E3? What about you, Eddie? Oh man, that's a that's quite a question. Tough question. That kind of caught me off guard. I think the the only one that really stands out was when Reggie burst on the scene. E3 2004. Yeah, that was one of my favourite E3s. Uh, yeah. Although looking back, it kind of got my hopes up for for something that wasn't delivered upon. I felt like the Wii and all that just didn't didn't make me too happy in the long run. Uh, I got to go back to E3 2004 with Reggie, with all the games they announced, with the whole. See, but back in 2004, what made it better was the fact that it was still public. So they announced Twilight Princess there as just the Legend of Zelda, and everyone shats their pants because the public is there and they're screaming like yahoos yeah and it just ma- it just makes the moment so much better this year if they announce a new zelda game it's going to be cool but the professional journalists like eddie the sex god in zelda who are going to be there um aren't going to be allowed to are going to feel obligated to scream out of their shirts no they're going to sit there they're going to clap with a big smile on their face then they're going to write about it and then the internet is going to explode, and I'm not going to be able to talk to anybody for three days. But <laughs> just the whole – the build-up to the announcement, the announcement itself, the sound of the reaction as soon as you see Zelda's face on that screen is something that cannot be replicated until they allow the public back into E3. But that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm probably going to go the same one. I, I, I love Reggie to pieces. I think he's such a brilliant frontman for Nintendo simply because he's not Japanese. And I think that really threw a lot of people because everyone's used to, you know, Miyamoto as the face of Nintendo or at least just all the other staff that do do the presentations. And then Reggie came on stage, you know, and then the Wii got announced. And I think everyone, well, the gaming press pretty much shot themselves because the serious gaming press are trying as hard as possible never to have any innuendos in their work at all, to try and stay away from anything that would be misconstrued in the sort of Kotaku or joystick, you know, ha-ha dick jokes sense. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden they've got the Wii. And to me, I think this it was almost like a million voices cried out and was suddenly silenced. But for me, I think the Wii just hasn't really had as big an impact on my life as I thought it would. I think it really has nearly limitless potential, but unfortunately, it hasn't been used to really... I mean, you've had games that sort of do novel things, but it hasn't really driven gaming forward as much as I thought it could. Like, I thought that the Wii was going to put us so much further inside the game than we had ever been before, and at this point, I just still have yet to see what I was envisioning in the beginning. They went so hardcore in the casual crowd that they kind of isolated all of the what's considered hardcore games. Think about it. House of the Dead Overkill mm. was, you know, the most swearing and blood I've ever played in a game, but I loved it. Sold like crap because families don't want that. Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars, one of the best entries in the entire series, 
sold like crap because it's on a DS, which is catered to families, kids, and women, um, and RPG fans. Mad World. Mad World. One of the best games on the system. Probably the best Wii game of 2009 until Punch-Out! came out. Sold like balls because it's violent and families are just not buying these. The amount of people who own a Wii and play the Wii like Xbox kids play their Xbox or PS3 kids play their PS3 is so much smaller than the other two systems that it's going to be really, really hard for them, and this is a conversation we've been having since the Wii came out, to get those gamers back. Mm. Yeah. Here's a question. Do you think Nintendo will ever, you know, like like various other companies do, form separate brands of home consoles and market one towards the hardcore, quote-unquote, hardcore audience and one towards the more casual audience to try to capture different uh, ends of the spectrum? Or do you think that would be too complex for a video game manufacturer to do? I thought they were going to do that with the Wii and the DS, with uh, leave the DS as the casual and leave the Wii as the hardcore. But I find myself playing a lot more DS than I do Wii, so mm-hmm. that didn't really work out. I mean, um, in like the in the home console market. Yeah, yeah. I it's very possible. I would assume that eventually, if they find themselves so isolated or and ingrained in the family casual crowd that they have to do it, they'll do it. But at this point, it still remains to be seen what they plan to do first party to bring those hardcore kids back. Like, Star Fox? Star Fox will bring people back. F-Zero will bring people back. Mm. Those, I don't want to say B-list, but, well, compared to Mario and Zelda and Metroid, they are. B-list first party titles, there's none. There is none. And the GameCube was full of them. So until they start bringing those back and stop pushing and stop letting developers flood the shelves with, you know, family party games, it's going to be really hard for them to sell games that really should be sold. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I completely agree. I mean, for me, the Wii, the Wii's had a few games that I would consider as a long-term or lifetime Nintendo fan pretty good. I mean, Super Mario Galaxy for me was a great game. I sat down, I think, at 5 p.m. on a Saturday and started playing Super Mario Galaxy. I stopped playing at 6 p.m., on the Sunday. <laughs> so you could yeah. say it kind of drew me in quite a lot, but, it, I mean, that game was great. I really enjoyed the new Super Smash Brothers. I mean, I was I was working at IGN when uh, Brawl came out, and obviously, because we were testing the multiplayer part, we were all getting dragged in every day in our lunch breaks to play Brawl, and it was... The Super Smash Brothers franchise is an absolutely great franchise. I think that it's it's come a long way. I think that... If they they need to stick with their A-listers because their A-listers are the hardcore Zelda, Mario. These games can be hardcore because I think they redefine the concept of collectibles, Mario especially, because uh-huh. you collected stars and Super Mario Galaxy, and I just think that that was compared to the amount of collectibles you had in say Prince of Persia, where it was just glowing orbs. There was no real incentive, but Mario, there's always this really cute story behind it. I mean, there was a cute story behind. Luigi's Madison collecting ghosts. Even Animal Animal Crossing had great storylines behind everything you did, and I just think that they've lost their hardcore contingent because they keep releasing, like you said, games like Wii Fit and family games. Well, wait, let me let me take that back. There's nothing really wrong with. I'm, I'm sort of take that back. There's really nothing wrong with Wii Fit. Wii Fit is good because it it will draw the hardcore people in. EA Active the same way. What I have a problem with is the release at 1999 2999 shovelware 
that makes that people come into a store, see those games, and be like, that's why you can't take the Wii seriously, and they move on to their PS3 section or their 360 section. As for Sony and Microsoft, I think Sony are going to have a lot of really interesting announcements. I'm really hoping for the PSP Go. I'm hoping that the PS3 Sim rumors are true, though... Eddie was talking about this in previous podcast that the PS3 Slim was being rumoured and a mole in Sony would indicate that this is becoming more and more true. Do you think there's going to be a positive reaction or a negative reaction to that? Personally, I would react positively because the PS3 is a behemoth and not everyone really has a ton of space, especially when you consider they're a Japanese company and uh, over there you generally have smaller living spaces. And for me personally, I would rather have something Wii-sized, but of course that's not really possible. And I know people hated the uh, Spider-Man font like you did. Yeah, me especially. I think the Zune HD is probably going to end up doing a lot for the Xbox 360 as well. I mean, the amount of connectivity they're trying to plug into it. Do you think that Microsoft are going to come out with anything bar the vision cam? Because I'm, I'm kind of worried that this motion camera thing is really the only thing that they're, they're sitting on right now. I think that the if they are sitting on the motion camera, then we're going to be talking about Microsoft's E3 2009 as third, <laughs> uh, with, with Nintendo in second and Sony in first, or the other way around. guy I work with is, a, is probably the most hardcore, hardcore gamer I've ever met in my entire life. And he put it simply when he said that hardcore gamers don't give a flying F about motion cameras and you're in the movies or anything like that. They just want good games to play. They they can announce a motion camera. That would be fine. But I would like them to focus more on Halo 3, ODST, Final Fantasy 13, and stuff like that that has made them a hard, a quote-unquote hardcore system and not put as much emphasis on things like Zune HD, avatars, and motion control. Because that will just throw people, that will, that will turn people off. It's like they're trying yeah. to capture that casual market and doing the same thing that Nintendo did and sort of abandoning what made them who they are. Hopefully it doesn't go as far as Nintendo did. But one thing that's interesting about Microsoft is they had a recent job listing where they're seeking engineers to work on a game or a system of gaming that would support up to 300,000 players in real time. They're building an extremely high-performance system to extend console games to the server in new ways and creating a completely new set of web services. So I feel like Microsoft may just being quiet right now and they might plan to unleash a storm on the video game industry, taking the new Xbox experience, which sort of got mixed reviews, and just overhauling everything, brand new dashboard, and bringing a lot more high-level, large-scale multiplayer uh, systems and MMO-like games to the home console arena, which could be huge. It's possible that they have tricks up their sleeves. They really do need to sort of calm down the whole casual element. Personally, I was very disappointed at Hideo Kojima not clarifying what was going on with Metal Gear Solid 4 and the 360. I think that there was the little green icon that was appearing on the website, but we now know that's Metal Gear Solid Touch, which is kind of a sad revelation for a lot of people. But I just think that it needs to be addressed, and I really do hope they do address it, because I think that's that's a pretty major thing to release on both consoles. I mean, it's... It's been PlayStation-bound for 
so long now that I think if they bring it over to the 360, they're really widening the market. I know a lot of people either own a 360 or a PS3, but I think if there was any reason that 360 owners were buying PS3s, it was probably either Little Big Planet or Metal Gear Solid 4. Though Microsoft are also now trying to not rip off as such, but kind of develop their own Little Big Planet and their own stealth games and their own this and their own that. And I just think that multi-format titles are probably the way to go because then there is no hardcore contingent if you released... For example, I know it will never happen, but if you released Metal Gear Solid 4 over the 360 and the Wii, you would probably see a very different reaction, I think, in sales figures than if you kept selling loads of FPSs to uh, Microsoft, loads of RPGs to Sony, and loads of family games to Nintendo. I just think that multi-format is probably a better way of levelling the playing field in terms of content to look forward to every year. But I agree, but at the same time... um the closer we get to multi-platform releases like Metal Gear Solid 4 and the farther we stray away from exclusives, the closer we get to things like OnLive, which scares the hell out of me. Mm. Um, I am all about competition. I am all about consoles duking it out to see who can make the best stuff. A prospect like OnLive, where you just go on the server, download a game you want to play and play it, just does not appeal to me as a gamer. I feel that will make the level of gaming go down, the level of development go down, and it's just not something, having played games since I was three years old, I want happening to an industry that I've grown to love. sort of takes ownership, that feeling of ownership, away from uh, what you're doing when you're playing games. Exactly. I think that on live, really, I mean, Eurogamer have already said this, but I've got to jump in and agree with them. I just really don't see it as being technologically viable. Unless you've got a fiber optic hanging out the back of it, I really don't see any real way that they're going to be able to pull a lot of this off because they're talking about streaming crisis to somebody's TV. I mean, that's that's fairly ambitious. And considering they're not making an E3 appearance, I think the fact that the entire gaming press has turned around and just offered a big lol no has basically put them off probably releasing any future presentations. Either that or they've been second thoughts. To me, it kind of reminds me a lot of the Gizmondo fiasco where there was this piece of hardware that was supposed to do a thousand different things and revolutionize the gaming industry and it just kind of disappeared amidst this storm of controversy and arrests and international fraud though i'm not proposing that unlike the gizmondo this was proposed by the uh, dutch mafia because this probably isn't but i think that on live is it's stretching it a little too far. And yeah, I do enjoy the exclusives. I, I enjoy the, the competition between consoles because I think competition is good. It, it encourages these people to strive harder. I mean, if Microsoft and Sony had no reason for competition whatsoever, I think we just eventually reach a point where we just get this big amalgamated PS Wii box 720 or whatever <laughs> in like 10 years' time. And then there would be just a load of content on the same console. There would be no contingent. No one would have a favorite controller. I mean, God forbid I got stuck with a PS3 controller for the rest of my life, because I don't know about you, but ergonomically speaking, I think it's the one thing that's put me off regularly off getting a PS3 is the fact that I just can't really get the feel of the controller. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing. If there was just a single platform you could potentially have a variety of different controller shapes and layouts so long as you maintained the same amount of buttons and sticks and D-pads and everything in a, a generally similar way. So it's possible to have 
your your analog sticks high on the controller, low on the controller to have uh, a diamond shape on your of, of face buttons or an old like Genesis six button face, uh, two two shoulder buttons, a shoulder and a trigger, whatever. As long as you have potential for controlling the games that are going to be on the system, so really that that wouldn't necessarily have to be an issue as long as all the different manufacturers were still producing controllers and thinking about people who only like you know one way versus another. I think Nintendo are going the right way with that. I mean, you've got uh, Link's crossbow training where they're putting the Wii in a nunchuck in one position, then you've got the classic controller, and I love the look of the classic controller. If I could use that with every game console I had, I would, <laughs> gladly, without hesitation. But I just think this idea of moving buttons around, I mean, potentially you could actually just get... I mean, you've got Z-boards for the PC for World of Warcraft and Quake and various games where you can just snap bits together and arrange the keyboard as you would see fit. And I would gladly pay £100 for a controller where I could actually just move and change bits Mm. and just lock everything together in a way that would be more comfortable. But obviously... (laughs) <laughs> the closest we're going to see to that uh, E3 is probably a PS3 where the where you know it's thinner or a PSP where the screen slides up and down and it's it's a shame that no one's really doing anything that ambitious. I just feel like the PSP Go is their attempt to say you know we can do a moving screen on our handheld too, mm. whereas <laughs> the Zune HD is kind of everyone's trying to cash in on the the iPhone. I think they released the iPhone, there have been a load of apps, there are now rumours of Apple trying to acquire EA. I just think that everyone's trying to cash in the idea that handheld gaming is the way to go, which is a shame because then it means all the indie developers that could be developing really amazing titles like Braid are just going to start developing titles which aren't as fun, aren't as engaging and are a lot simpler. And it's kind of like the Microsoft XNA where there's not been as much support, there's not been as much drive to create all these games because everything is so average because everyone just wants to develop on the iPhone so the entire indie game contingent is slowly moving over to that platform and I'm beginning to wonder when we're going to see an Apple press conference as a fourth in the next few years of E3. Yeah yeah I feel like Apple's really going to start to dive into the video game market the iPhone is sort of just the beginning the app store they need to get a little bit more support and I think that could be a really effective gaming platform. The only thing is just, uh, it comes back to controls. The controls on an iPhone or an iPod Touch are a little bit limited. They have the touch screen and the accelerometer and everything, but as for buttons, you have to either create touch screen buttons or do something else with it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a major advantage. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple has a booth this year. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, I'm not sure if they're on the floor, Pam. I don't 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 think they are. They could do the gorilla thing. I mean, I was telling Eddie last week there was a company that ran around GDC and instead of having a booth, just got loads of stickers with their website address on mm-hmm. because they knew everyone would have netbooks. And they just went around sticking these stickers on doors and floors and in toilets. <laughs> and it ended up being a more effective method of marketing than holding a two-hour press conference. Though, sadly, I think all press conferences have kind of paled in terms of excitement after Cliffy B carved his way onto the GDC stage a year ago with a fully working Lancer. <laughs> well, I say fully working. This is probably a lie. If it was fully working, I think the majority of people calling him Cliffy B probably wouldn't have been there afterwards. Yeah. No. At least the chainsaw part was functional. Definitely. Yeah. Or the paper was really thin. I kind of really enjoy Mother's Day cards and snowboarding on Wii Fit boards. 
<laughs> and uh, all that stuff. I really enjoy that. Uh, as far as the 300,000 person MMO goes or whatever that is, I want to see how their 1 versus 100 work, works first. Because if 1 versus 100 comes out and it's buggy is all hell and it's broken and it can't be played, I don't know how the hell they're going to manage 300,000 people. Mm. CCP have done it with EVE Online. They've got the one server and that holds... Well, I believe it could, you know, as long as they keep slotting in more boards into the server, it can hold infinite people. But at the moment, I think the server limit is somewhere in the region of 250,000 simultaneous online players. And I know they've not really had that. They've not even hit half that online at the same time. But, I mean, the capability is there. The technology is there. It would just be interesting to see if a company like Microsoft can pull it off because they've still got that... They've still got that vibe of unreliability Mm. to sort of get past. CCP did it, but they did it, and they did it reliably, and if they hadn't have done, we wouldn't have really heard from them since. But Microsoft have released programs that are famous for being very buggy and needing a lot of patches. I mean, the OS I'm recording from right now is Vista, so I can give give fairly good examples of an OS that really does have a lot of kinks to work out, but it will be interesting. If I could ask uh, Eddie for his final E3 prediction, what he's most looking forward to seeing, and then afterwards, what he most thinks will be announced. I'm going to follow up on that whole Microsoft thing, and I'm going to say that even though they've been pretty focused on their motion camera and haven't really had any big rumors going on, they're going to come out with a shocker maybe even a, a new revamp of the dashboard just as a result of the mixed response to the NXE. And what I'm most interested in seeing, above all else, I think is heavy rain and how, just where they go with that, what, it, what sort of a mix of gaming and cinema and storytelling and just bringing games to a new level of a mature experience. So that's that. What about you, Jason? What do I think is going to happen? I think that I really, really think we're going to get a new Wii Zelda. Uh, maybe it's just me internally hoping, but I really, really think that it's going. To, we're going to get that. I think the Tatsunoko versus Capcom, the American version, could possibly steal the show because if you played the Japanese version, that is one of the most solid fighters I've ever played in my life. I think that we're I think that we're going to get release dates on all the major titles: God of War, Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts DS, Mass Effect 2. Um, Heavy Rain will get a solid date. Brutal Legend I think already has a solid date. Everything that doesn't have a date yet I think will get dated, at least the big ones. I would love an announcement on Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, but I don't think it's going to happen this year, or at least not now. It could happen in Tokyo, but not now. I would really, really like some brand new IP out of nowhere that'll blow us all away, but I don't think it's going to happen. And maybe I'm reading right off of my article, but you don't need to know that. Um, <laughs> I thought it sounded familiar. I think there be a, I think there will be a new PSP, but I don't think it'll be called the PSP Go. I think it'll be called the PSP. We couldn't think of a name for it. It'll have a slide the slide feature and all that. I think all those rumors are true. I just the name PSP Go doesn't really sit well with me. I'm not sure why. I think above all else, the press conferences will be full of good information and laughs. Most, if not all, of the laughs coming from Cammy Dunaway. <laughs> I say it a lot, but I'm sorry. I no. Leave it to Reggie and Satoru. You go sit in the corner. 
like I said, this is a very wide open E3. I expect a lot of surprises. I expect um, a lot of things that even I didn't think of. I hope we get a release date on Tatsunoko versus Capcom for the Wii, because like I said, that's a fantastic game. I have a lot of high hopes, but at the same time, I have no freaking clue what's going to happen. So, in two days, it begins. How about you, Chris? I would predict that we're going to see Perfect Dark on Xbox Live Arcade. As for what I'm hoping will happen, I would like to see a new PSP, but I would really, really, really like to see a game that doesn't look like it's been done a thousand times before. Because, I mean, a lot of the E3 titles I've seen so far have looked great, but I'm really hoping that Rare or Lionhead come out of the woodwork and just say, oh, we're going to do a new Star Fox, or we're going to we're going to go back to the black and white franchise with Lionhead. I would just really like something to come completely out of left field, because at the moment, all the rumors are very heavy, but they're so heavy to the point where they're practically predictable. I just really like something to catch me off guard. Speaking of predictable, I forgot to mention that I think Assassin's Creed 2 is going to be really, really amazing and not quite as repetitive. We didn't repetitive. talk about that. Yeah, how did we do that? I think that's going to be one of the best games know. of the year. And Bioshock 2 as well. We didn't even talk about that. We're terrible. Stop listening wow. to us. Damn it. <laughs> we've we've too, let you down. Sorry. <laughs> too busy talking about little crap like Heavy Rain, which isn't really that little. Oh, and for all you, for all you Trauma Center fans, you're finally getting a new game, so shut up. <laughs> um, Trauma Team, if you haven't heard about it, six different people, six different jobs, and you'll be controlling every single one of them. General Surgeon, Diagnostician, EMT, Orthopedic Surgeon, Endoscope Technician, Medical Examiner, which I wouldn't understand if it wasn't for my girlfriend making me watch Grey's Anatomy. So, looks good. Uh, if you're a Trauma Center fan, you should be quite pleased. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy person. I can't wait to play the game. I also can't wait to play Grey's Anatomy the game, but it doesn't look as good. So, But yeah. as far as E3 predictions go... And this podcast, I think we're going to round it off here. So, Eddie, if you'd like to say bye-bye. Farewell, everyone, and have a happy E3. Jason? Please don't riot if Metal Gear comes to 360. Please, God, just stay in your homes. Cry if you want to, but be safe, be happy, and enjoy E3. And for me, that's all. Thank you for listening to Episode 3 of the Best Snow Podcast. We'll see you another time. Later. Thank you.